is I sat down and I prayed. And I said, how do I make these great truths understandable for children? And not only understandable, but so that they embrace it in their hearts. And I just, I spent hours on my kitchen, my living room couch. I had two daughters and I said, Lord, how do I teach your word? So they really love it. Welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast featuring Peter Bell and Nick Fulweiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition, delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Hey guys, real quick, before we start this episode with Sally Michaels on more than a story from Truth 78's. Listen to the end of this podcast, this episode, to find out how you can win one of three giveaway copies of More Than a Story from Sally Michaels. You guys won't want to miss this episode. Listen to it. Dive deep into it. Learn why this book is so important for our kids, so important for us and churches as we teach kids big theological truth that makes sense to them and helps them love their Redeemer, Jesus, more. So, Listen to this episode, and we'll see you on the other end. Are you in the Orange County or Santa Ana area? We are exploring a church plant, Santa Ana Reformed, with the oversight and accountability of Oceanside URC and Reverend Danny Hyde. If you are interested or you know someone who might be interested in the area, please check out our show notes for a link to sign up for updates. Our Twitter or Instagram, at GuiltGracePod or Santa Ana URC, for the same sign-up link, or simply email us at SantaAnnaReformed at gmail.com. We begin meetings on October 28th at 6.30 p.m. at 4th Street Market in downtown Santa Ana. Now on with the episode. And yet another fresh day of grace and mercy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast, where we bridge the gap to reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. We are a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters, and this is Nick. I have Peter here, too. And our very special guest on this episode of Book Club. Thank you to our friends at Truth78 Publishing for introducing Sally Michael and her book, More Than a Story, the Old Testament version. And I'll let Peter please further introduce Sally for the audience. Yeah, as Nick said, we have Sally Michael. Uh, She is a co-founder of Truth78, offered a bunch of curriculum for children, for kids, and books that are all marked by a passion for developing God-centered resources for the spiritual development of children. She's formerly worked uh, at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis under John Piper. She and her husband live in Indianapolis, where they serve families at College Park Church. They enjoy spending time with their daughter, Christy, her daughter, Amy and her husband, Gary, and her three children. We are super excited to have her on for more than a story. It's a huge book. We enjoy it. We hope you guys enjoy it too. So thanks for coming on, Sally. Thanks for that introduction. And I am eager to converse with both of you. Thank you. Same, same. Uh, Yeah, we'll jump right in. I, I love this book. We both have a copy looked at it. It's, it's, it's beautifully written Um, illustrations, commentary, everything. So I would, we would just like to know for the audience, what inspired more than a story? Uh, what writers and theologians helped inspire your own writing and theology? 
Well, I'll tell you, I have had this book in my heart for decades <laughs> and I just kept waiting for the Lord to just make the opportunity and the right time for this book to come out. And, you know, I wanted to write it years ago, but now I realize God was wise and there was a lot I had to learn <laughs> before I could write it. And so um, I had a passion to teach biblical truths. I, I don't consider myself a writer. I consider myself a teacher mm. and a teacher of the Bible, a teacher to children. And so I just want to multiply that. I can do that in a classroom with 20 or 60 kids, or I could do it with thousands through a book. Yeah. And so what inspires me is Psalm 78, that we've been entrusted with a testimony of the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, the law which he appointed in Israel. And we have been commanded to teach it to the next generations so that they would set their hope in God. And that's what inspired me to write this, is wanting children to set their hope in God and to have a solid foundation. Um, I wanted an accessible and somewhat comprehensive resource for children, for teaching the Bible in the home. And um, I think you probably know who one of the men who inspired me, and that was John Piper, because I sat under his teaching for 33 years. Yeah. yeah. And the two greatest things, takeaways, I think, that are in this book from him are the centrality of God. Uh, God is the main character in the Bible. He's the hero in every story. It's about him. It's not about David or Moses or Daniel. It's about God. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the second thing is the sovereignty of God. God is actively working in, in the world through people, through events to bring about his purposes for his glory and the good of his children. And I just want children to understand that huge truth. Because if you understand the sovereignty of God, everything else falls into place. Mm. Yeah, and this will get into later on, but usually it's when we see or read or hear of other children's books, either children's Bibles or books about the Bible, uh, they tend to, especially Old Testament, they tend to moralize a lot of stuff. Be a better this, be a better that, don't do this, don't do that, versus what I think you've done and inspired by is, no, here, there's, a, there's an overarching story from Genesis to Revelation that we can follow and that teaches us who our God is. And if kids don't know that, and if kids kind of grow up understanding this more moralistic idea, they have no foundation for right. what they're going to learn later on, catch in school, talk to their parents about it, or their teachers or their, or their friends. And they're, I mean, they're left without much foundation. Exactly. And that is the reason I wrote, wrote this. I wanted to give them a solid foundation for their faith. Because I think we just kind of assume that children pick up this stuff by osmosis mm -hmm. rather than intentionally, comprehensively, systematically teaching them. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been reading the book, and my son is only one years old, so it's going to take a little while for me to <laughs> actually sit down. You're not quite him. getting it, right? Yeah, but Nick's six years old at heart, so it's good. Yeah, but hopefully not mentally. <laughs> but uh, I it takes an extra level of brilliance and intelligence to not only understand the Bible like you do, but you're able to communicate something so dense and complex to a small child where they can immediately pick it up. And um, like you said, you come at it with a heart of a teacher, which I think is good because you're able to actually, if you read the book and any parent that reads it, they're, they're going to pick up stuff too. I know it deepened my faith even just, reading and it engages you, asks questions um, throughout the commentary. 
uh, explains scripture. And at the end of each chapter, it even tells you what verses to probably memorize and kind of recap, kind of study questions. So that really helps with the book. Um, and, and including the illustrations are brilliant as well. <laughs> um, what is the difference between more than a story in other children's Bibles, books, maybe even just handing someone the Old Testament, because this is the Old Testament version? Um, what need or void did you see that is filled with this book? Um, well, that's a long, long, uh, there's a long answer to that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because it's a lot, but I, I, I think... Let me start with, I really wanted a comprehensive treatment of the breadth and scope and depth of scripture. Um, because so many times vast portions of the Bible are ignored when yeah. we teach children. And so there's not, they, they have a piecemeal understanding of who God is and a piecemeal understanding of what he's doing, piecemeal understanding of the Bible, and they don't really have a solid foundation. So I wanted... Um, I wanted something comprehensive, step-by-step, precept-by-precept, chronological, um, that taught key doctrines of the faith, um, giving children a solid theology, a foundation to base their faith on. I wanted to use the actual words of scripture. Um, you know, my words are my words, but God's words are powerful, and they... Um, comfort in a way that our words can't they strengthen they convict and so i wanted children to read the words of the word um in addition to my words and so there's a lot of scripture in it um it addresses the mind the heart and the will because i think we can tend to teach children information mm -hmm. don't ask them to interact with it to think about it to analyze it to synthesize it to put it I, I wanted them, their hearts to be engaged. I wanted them to feel what the Bible is teaching and then ask, what am I supposed to do with this? How does this affect my life? And so um, by asking questions, asking them to answer it, to ponder eternal realities, to wrestle with issues. I wanted them to embrace the faithfulness, the goodness, the wisdom, the love of God, and, and then engage their will, you know, and, and okay, now, now that I know this, what am I to think what am i to be what am i to do so that it affects their lives that they see it's not something written just centuries ago but it, it is relevant for today another thing and i think this is very unusual in children's materials i really wanted to give them an appropriate but serious and sober portrayal of sin hmm. i wanted to acquaint them with the need for rescue you can't, and John Piper said, you can't appreciate the rescue if you don't know your plight. And so they really need to see how serious sin is because I think we treat it pretty tritely today. Not a big deal. And they need to see, no, it separates them from a holy God. And they need to see that man doesn't have an answer for it. That man cannot work out their own salvation. So a serious portrayal of, the, of, the, uh, of sin along with the glories of the gospel, because if you know the series of sin, you know the glory of the cross, the atonement that Jesus gave to us. I mean, just, I mean, that's staggering. You can't appreciate it if you don't understand your condition first. I wanted to inspire worship for God to show his incomparable greatness and worth. And I think it's so anemic, as you said, Peter, to put in front of children moral, moralistic stories or man at the center um 
talking about the courage of David, you know, and we should be courageous like him rather than the greatness of, the, of his God. I mean, his confidence was in a great God. It wasn't that he was so courageous. I mean, it's a story about, it's not just a story about a, a little boy defeat, or a young man defeating a giant. It's about the arrogance of the Philistines and their giant defeating the armies of the living God. And David's secret was not his courage, but his understanding of who God is and that God fights for his people. And that's why he could say, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And the Lord saves not with a sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. I mean, David understood when he said, the God who delivered me from the lion and the bear. I mean, he understood it wasn't his courage. It wasn't his sling. It wasn't his stone. It was his God who was the deliverer. And that's what we want children to know. And to see God for who he is. And then to respond with worship. Worship this God who is so great and wonderful and marvelous and mighty. That's another another thing that I tried to instill in the pages, and you just can't. I mean, everything you write, you say, it just falls so short of really showing God's words. But you do the best you can. Um, I wanted a reverence for God's word. I mean, sometimes when people teach children or write books for children, they can become pretty flippant because they want to bring it down to children's levels. And and I just wanted them to show that the word is holy. It's precious um and so the pictures are realistic they're beautiful pictures that fred did and we were able some of them we had to use from other books he had done but some of them we were able to commission and so we could actually give the spiritual truth we wanted so for example when the israelites crossed the jordan river they were going to take jericho i told um fred i want a picture of the priest with the ark of the covenant in the water showing it's not joshua that's leading this battle it's god bringing his people through the waters into victory because he walks before his people and so that's why that picture has the ark of the covenant with a priest in it and not the people of israel or joshua but god goes before his people um so we want i wanted it to be to show the greatness of god a reverence for his word and yet Make a child appropriate so they can understand it and relate to it. Um, so, but I think um, by using the Bible text themselves, it gives them more weight to the book. Because what I really want to do is to move children from this book to the book. Be so many people think children can't understand the Bible, but they can. It's accessible to all peoples including children. Yeah, they don't understand every single thing. I don't understand every single thing in the Bible. <laughs> but there's so much they can understand. So if I can give them just a taste so that they move from my book to the book, to God's book, that would be thrilling. No, that's, I mean, I couldn't, I don't think any of us can see any better than you just said. That was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what makes this book geared specifically towards kids? I know you have a, a recommended age group of six to 12. Uh, 
how do you package theological truth to young kids in this book? I know you already went over that. I apologize. It was a good answer, but it's kind of more you know, zeroed in on this. Uh, yeah, specifically. Like, I know your your backgrounds in, in kids' education, specifically around theologies. How, how did that kind of, how does that manifest itself specifically for this age range, for those who are looking for books for their kids at this age range? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've taught children for, I, okay, now I'm really showing my age. <laughs> I've taught all the way from preschool through eighth grade, and I've taught Bible to them. I also homeschooled my girls. Mm. I don't think I ever taught kindergarten. Um, but aside from, I mean, I've taught a wide range. So you you want to think like a child <laughs> when you write for a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to ask the questions you know they're going to ask. Um you want to answer the questions they're going to ask, and you want to prompt them to ask questions they need to ask. So I think um, I, that's what I tried to do. Um, it's not simplistic. There's a depth of teaching, which is probably why your one-year-old Mick won't understand the book. <laughs> but I wanted a depth of teaching that elementary kids can handle. I think they are much more capable than we give them credit for. Um, they can handle deep truths. They can handle difficult truths if they're explained clearly and carefully. Um, So I think the explanation that's in there helps them to understand the big picture of the Bible as well as the particulars. Um, I think because of the way it's written, it challenges them to think, to interact. I think in dialogue between parents and children, and that's one of the things I want to do. And I think school-aged children are really... Uh, a good age for this to happen is to really promote talking about spiritual things with mom and dad and to make that a natural thing in life and I think if this book will teach parents um, somewhat how to do that and um, and I think it asks questions that young that school-aged children can understand and, and answer and and yet not so not I don't think children like to answer questions where the answer is obvious. I think they like to be challenged. And I've had a couple of people write to me and say, you don't believe what my child said. And then they'll tell me something about what they said after reading a chapter in the book. And I'm, and they're thinking, I didn't know my child could think like that. And, and I, that's really fun for me to hear. And so that's what I tried to do. I tried to challenge children and they have to be a certain age to be able to be challenged like that. And so I say six to 12. Um, the theological truths are put in bold. Um, they're stated clearly. They're explained in language that children can understand, and they're taught repeatedly over and over again. Uh, key doctrines are reinforced. And so I think that's something that six to 12 year olds can grasp onto and kind of lodge in their minds and remember. Hmm. Yeah, both Nick and I are currently in like a more Presbyterian. Um, context and so we use a lot of catechism questions in the Westminster Confession but I think what this does is it can be used in tandem with what we use because it tends to be just words versus words in a picture and questions and, and, and diving deeper into things and giving the parent also some questions that help them with that and following a storyline instead of just being separated questions as well uh, but I mean I've been surprised too even my own with kids at our church who when pressed and when taught systematically, they'll pick this stuff up. It's just, we don't push them to pick up right. some of this stuff enough, which I think the book very, very, very helpfully does is pushes a little bit while still being understandable in the language. 
Yeah, and <clears throat> kids are definitely, we all know the sponges. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they they yeah, learn whatever you say. <laughs> uh, and they're, they learn very quickly. And I think introducing this true biblical truth to them is an early foundation, really. So I think that's the... You know, I, I think they can understand so much more than we give them credit for. And their minds are going all the time. Uh, do we have time for me to tell you two stories? Go for it. Uh, well, you cut me off if you don't. But we, we taught uh, in our nursery. In our nursery, we teach Bible verses to children. And one of the verses we taught them was no one can, no one can um, serve two masters. Okay. Little girl, three years old, moved up to preschool. And the teacher is telling the story, and she's telling about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being asked to bow down to this idol. And so um, she said to the class, should they do that? And this little girl, now we're talking three, little girl got agitated. And, and she, she just, finally she just jumped up and she said, they can't, they can't do that because of that verse. The verses had pictures that go with them. She pointed the picture, no one can serve two masters. That is the Holy Spirit taking truth that has been sown and bringing understanding beyond a child's ability. But I think children think they that if you make scripture the hum in the back of their minds, they're going to start evaluating things in light of that scripture. Um, when our younger daughter was probably four, maybe, um, Dad, my husband said to my two girls, the four-year-old, the other, her sister would have been seven at the time, who's the most wonderful woman in the world? And of course, my older daughter says, mom. And the, my younger daughter said, the church. And then she realized she must be wrong because the answer is mom. <laughs> and I said, well, Christy, there's not a wrong answer to this. What, tell me why you said what you said. And she says, well, I just thought Jesus is the most wonderful person in the world most wonderful person and the church is called the bride of christ so the most wonderful woman in the world must be the church that's wow. a reasoning that children can do when they have something to interact with but if there's nothing in there for them to interact with they can't do that and so our job is to fill them up with that plethora of information and truth and scripture so that they can ponder and question and interact and answer questions and think about questions and understand deep truth. And our job is just to sew it in there. That was a wild answer. On the other end, for parents, when they're reading this to their child, how is this going to help the parents' solid theology? Or even you just know, like their, their ability to teach this too mm -hmm. and, and help. You know, he, I, I, I think a reality in the, Christ, in the Christian church is that um, we kind of just expect people to put pieces together without systematically teaching them. And I, and I think that means children, parents too. So we are connecting, I think in more than a story, it's connecting the dots for not only the children, but also for the adults who have not also been taught systematically or chronologically, just we're just assuming that they pick these things up. So it's it's taught in the way the Bible teaches, which is the character of God is revealed little by little by little as he works among his people. 
His plan of redemption is uncovered piece by piece. His purposes, we're exposing them to the overarching themes of the Bible. Um, we're taking complex truths and we're putting them in child language. And I think if you can explain something to a child, you can understand, you understand it. But if you can't explain it to a child, you probably don't have it very clear in your own mind. And I think it really helps. I mean, we see it all the time in our curriculum and our resources where parents are saying, I know you wrote this for the kids, but I'm learning so much. <laughs> and I think it's because parents haven't been taught that way. And so it gives them that foundation so that they can understand enough to answer their children's questions. I think the way the questions are asked in the book, it teaches them how to ask questions, how to dialogue. I think the application box, which is at the end of each chapter, gives them ways of interacting with their children, helps them know how to teach their children, explain things to their children. I think even the explanations in the book, pretty soon if you hear enough of those, you learn how to explain things to children in childlike language. I mean, so many times when I hear adults explain things to children, they're using words kids don't understand. And so it's putting it in simple language and yet it's taking a complex truth and it's breaking it down to the simple language. Um, and explaining it step by step. So I think that's helpful to parents. Um, I think they're learning along with their children. And as they're doing that, I don't think they realize they're learning how to talk to their children, how to answer questions, how to ask questions. Yeah, and I think uh, especially in our tradition too, with the reform tradition, it can tend to be a little bit high level. Uh, the language is a little bit high. And so it helps us take down not our concepts but take down the language to introduce these concepts to and I think the length of the chapters really helps where there's if not mistaken 80 something chapters in the book each one's probably four to seven pages so they're short and they're digestible and they're not really long so the kid loses interest or they, even the parent loses interest and it's easy for them to go chapter by chapter week after week because they're only reading four pages five pages versus a 20-page document or 25-page chapter, and then they forget what they read. So it's, it, it stays with them a little bit easier. I think the other thing, Peter, is if uh, you probably noticed in the very front of the book, there's a note to parents that tells parents how to read with children. Yeah. Not how to read to children, but how to read with children. And it just gives them some ideas. If your child's starting to lose interest, stop. Pick it up at another time. Um, how do, you, how do you use inflection in your voice? How, how do you um, involve the children? Ask them to read a verse once in a while. And so it's teaching them how to interact and engage their children. So I think that note to parents is also helpful. Yeah. Yeah, good point. And that goes back to, I think that came natural to you because you're a teacher. And, um, you know, so that played the part in the book when you were writing it is that you were writing it as a teacher, how you would, you know, kind of teach a class in front of you and engage with them. Um, so this book is obviously beautifully presented if we haven't made that clear to the audience. Um, it's extremely well-structured. It has great reflection, questions at the end of each chapter. So how did your background inform this unique presentation? I know you're a teacher, so maybe a little bit more about that background. Um, I think my answer might surprise you. Okay, I, I was a Christian education major. I didn't learn how to do it that way. Um, as a teacher, I mean, I taught for 40 years and, and that obviously was a huge help. I was a minister for children under John Piper. 
wonderful experience listening to John Piper's teaching for 33 years. But let me tell you how I really learned how to teach the Bible is I sat down and I prayed. And I said, how do I make these great truths understandable for children? And not only understandable, but so that they embrace it in their hearts. And I just, I spent hours on my kitchen, my living room couch. I had two daughters and I said, Lord, how do I teach your word? So they really love it. They understand it. They interact with it. They, they, they see who you are. It was just pouring my heart out in prayer and wrestling with, how do you do this? How do you say this? And then taking my cues from my daughters. Um, I remember uh, my daughter, Christy, uh, when she was four or five, um, I went through the book for children by Ken Taylor, who basically, he does a good job of just going through the story. Doesn't make much commentary, but he just he tells you the story and it's very complete. So what I did is I took his book and then I asked the questions. <clears throat> so I would say things like, you know, Moses went, was in the river and he got right to the princess. And I said, how do you think he got to the right place at the right time? You know, I wanted her to see the sovereignty of God. So I would just start interjecting a lot of questions in, in this. And she said to me, oh, your questions are so hard. <laughs> and I said, I know that's because I want you to learn to think. By the end of that year of going through that book, she was asking me questions I couldn't, couldn't answer. I just say, Christy, I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> but I just think it's, it's teaching children to think. And that's what I, pray, I prayed for. I prayed and said, Lord, help me to know how to do this. So it's probably not the answer you wanted, but that's what happened. No, that's... that's years of teaching helps. Yeah, that's your, that's your answer that, that, that helps us ground this. And this actually was something of a, of a love project yourself to your own kids. And I think that helps other parents know it's not just some theoretical person who's, who's uh, studied this stuff. And well, that's good to have that background, the practical everyday, how did I do this to my own kids? And that transfers over to how parents can do it for their kids as well. Well, and I think it teaches par parents too, you have a great resource, mm -hmm. have a great God. And so you're reading this story and your kid just isn't getting it. You stop and you say, Lord, show me what to say. Show me what to ask my child. Put it in his heart. Give him understanding. You're praying as you're reading. Yeah, it's hard not to get excited and to get like this like beautiful information into a kid if you believe in this fan, like this humongous sovereign God who does rule your world, does rule your kid's world, and you want them to know who this God is. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and I think when it comes from your heart, it spills over. Yeah. I mean, if it's in your heart, it's going to spill over into your children. If you're excited about it, they're going to be excited. You know, I see kids who, who love baseball. They love baseball because their dad loves baseball. You know, and, and I just think our loves are contagious. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about the Old Testament version of more than a story and, and how parents can use this and how kids can understand this and it's understandable for them and the way that it's structured and um, even the questions and asking them to dig deeper into their own faith and learn who this God is. And uh, what we also know, too, is your New Testament books coming out in the fall. 
what can we is that is that structured similar similar to this is this is this kind of the like a natural continuation or can we see like some of the same stuff that we're going to see in the old testament come out in the new testament version too yes peter it is um it's already written and the reason it's not coming out till fall is we're waiting on the illustrations which take a long time uh -huh. um it was originally supposed to be one book huh but because of the length of uh time it takes to, to do the illustrations it ended up being two actually it's a good thing because as you can see the first volume is something like 430 pages or yeah. something so i don't know how it would have been one volume anyways um <laughs> it kind of morphed as it went but um yeah. it is it is pretty much structured exactly the same way um here's how i'll explain the difference the application box in the old testament is called making you wise for salvation and you of course understand that's on based on 2 Timothy 2.13, uh -huh. from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament is building a foundation for faith, understanding the character of God, the nature of sin, man's inability to solve the sin problem, a clear understanding of the Old Testament, teaching that informs the New Testament realities why blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of sin, God's willingness to accept a substitute, why so many sacrifices had to be made, the significance of the Passover lamb, the scapegoat, why there's this thick curtain between the holy place and the most holy place, and the need for a greater prophet, priest, and king. So the New Testament then is just that continuation, and the application box in the New Testament is called that you may believe. Now, that's going to push them more towards embracing faith from John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. So that's what the New Testament is all about, is finishing the story, showing the climax of redemption and the incarnation of Jesus, dying on the cross as an atonement for sins for those who would trust in him. It's 66 stories, starting with the announcement of the birth of the forerunner of the Messiah, through the birth, life, and death of Christ, um, the birth of the multi-ethnic church of Jesus, the spread of the gospel, um, goes through the book of Acts, um, and then the letters of the New Testament writers to the culmination of history when Jesus returns as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, bringing judgment and blessing where he will defeat sin and evil and Satan forever and make all things new. And um, it's the exciting end of the story. And it pushes children to see Jesus as the answer that the Old Testament keeps pointing to and that they can have a personal relationship with him. Um, same introduction, probably. Uh, same note to parents. Same format. Uh, finishing the story of redemption and pushing them more and more towards application of what are you going to do with Jesus? Amen. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's it's great. Where though I, I love how it's presented and structured too. The Old Testament is looking towards this Redeemer to come. Who is he going to be like? How holy is he? How do we have belief in him? What is he like? What is he going to do for us? We know he's going to do something. We know he's going to save us. How does this play itself out? And then, as you've said, the structure of the New Testament is going to be he's come. And now that he's come, 
these are the implications for who he is. Do you believe in him? Uh, yeah, I love it. It's that's fantastic. And and in the Old Testament, you know, he uh, it says in he, that he spoke through the prophets. Now he is speaking through his yeah Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews I love one. That. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fantastic. We we would love to have you on once that comes out and talk about the New Testament and and how this fills out your previous book that we're going through right now. That'd be fantastic. We would love to have you back on. I would on. love to do that. Yeah. How can the audience um, find you, find this book, order the book, uh, get started on this before the New Testament comes out? And... <laughs> yeah, they got to read it before. <laughs> yeah, start reading. There's 90 stories in the, uh, the Old Testament. Well, 91. I'll give you a little tickler there. There's 90 in the table of contents. There's 91 stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. 66 in the New Testament. Um that's biblical, right? Yeah, longer Old uh, Testament. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, you it's available on Amazon, but I'm going to give you a little clue. If you get it through 278.org, 278.org, which is um, our organization, you can get it with shipping cheaper. And if you buy five, you can get even a better price. Hmm. And then you can see all the other resources that True 78 has to um, help parents and churches teach the full counsel of God to children. So that's truth78.org. And that's where you'll find, actually you'll find a description of the New Testament and some more information. If they wanted to see a sample chapter or something, they can look there. It's on our website. Yeah. We'll have a a link in our show notes and uh, Twitter will have a link for that. And Instagram will have a link for that. So those who are listening to this, just drop into our Twitter or Instagram or the show notes and you guys will see a link to buy this but buy this and and learn both parents and kids and then when the new testament comes out it'll just fill out your understanding of, of who god is but yeah thank you so much sally for coming on our show it's been a blessing and we really hope people buy this read it understand who this holy god is well thank you both for having me i feel like i'm speaking with kindred spirits and that's been really fun for me amen thank you god bless you Hey guys, we're doing more book giveaways. More book giveaways. This time it is three of the copies for more than a story from Sally Michael, the Old Testament version. Heck yeah. You guys, three separate people can get their hands on a copy of Sally Michael's book. And if you guys made it to the end of this episode, you guys heard this is a fantastic book. You guys are, I mean, even if you don't get the giveaway, you're going to want to put your hands on this book. Teach it to your children, for yourself, for your friends, family, whatever it may be. Yeah, it's a perfect gift. Uh, again, the best uh, age range, but it's probably not limited to, which would be six to 12 years old. But um, as a parent, um, my child is definitely younger than six, but even me, <laughs> reading through it, I loved it. It's a refreshing way of looking at scripture uh, that's true and kind of filled in some cracks for me and just kind of re- reminded me of the story of redemption. So um, I would say if you have any family members that are children, nieces, nephews, kids. Or just as a gift for gift for somebody's birthday and say, hey, here's this book that you can use for your kids. Yep. Uh, whether, or even at your church, get a copy for your church so totally. they can have it in their, in their um, Sunday school program. Um, yeah, so how are we doing this, Nick? So same as last time, just uh, go onto Twitter or Instagram, uh, retweet, comment, like, 
whatever it is that gets our attention that we saw that you engaged with us and kind of give us public displays of affection pda um, on twitter or instagram <laughs> yeah right and then uh it's extra helpful if you go on to the itunes apple play uh podcast catcher if you guys listen to the show through that and rate it um five stars and and even give a nice friendly comment yeah if i'm not mistaken any podcatcher that you do will translate to itunes too and so if you guys put five stars and then some sort of rating, which you learned from Sally Michaels, we'll take that and all the reviews on Instagram and Twitter and then randomly generate three winners for next week. Uh, next week, we have Zach Keel on the unfolding word, but we'll also announce the winner of Sally Michaels book, More Than a Story. There we go. You don't want to miss it. Um, you'll love the book. Even if, oh, yeah. you, don't, if, you, if you don't win, um, as majority of you won't, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Downer. Just to keep it realistic. I mean, only three of you are going to win. So if you don't win, um, or if you just want to purchase the book to support her organization and her book, um, it's a definitely a great gift. Yeah, well, like we said, we'll drop a link so you guys can just press on the show episode or Twitter or Instagram, and you guys will find a link to purchase this book from 278. Yep. So we'll see who wins and we'll see you guys next week for Zach Keel and Folding Word.